Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, the insects are moving across Texas here at this time of year. Sugarcane aphids have shown up. They're a bit behind schedule this year, but they're definitely making their presence known. We'll have more on that coming up. Plus, the makers of Roundup have announced that consumers will no longer be able to buy it in the store. But don't worry, it will still be available to farmers. We'll have that story coming up as well. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The fall armyworm is on the march in the Texas Panhandle in a big way. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. August is a critical month for agricultural production as the dog days of summer continue. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend farmers have finally been able to make some significant progress with grain sorghum harvest. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Sugarcane aphids are making their presence known here in Texas sorghum fields this year, but like the crop, they are running behind schedule. BASF technical agronomist Adam Hickson says everything is running behind this year, including the march of the sugarcane aphid across Texas. It seems like it's a little late for them to start showing up, and I think that's mainly due to all the rain we've had. It has, I feel like, both delayed maybe planting, and so we're a little bit behind, probably two weeks behind on average. And then, you know, growth is probably a couple weeks behind as well. And then that is knocking the sugarcane aphid off of the plant, and they're not happy to reproduce in those kind of conditions. One big concern this year is that we have a lot more forage sorghum acres planted, and Hickson says those varieties are not resistant to the aphid. And when you combine that with the late planting date on many of those fields, we could have a lot of sorghum acres at risk to aphid damage. Drought percentages have been big news over the past year here in Texas, but Jessica Domel tells us that right now, drought is practically non-existent. Unusual spring and summer rains over the past few weeks have drastically improved drought conditions across most of Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, slightly more than 1% of Texas is now suffering from drought. That is 64 percentage points lower than three months ago. It is the largest three-month decline in drought conditions since 2001. It is the smallest area of Texas impacted by drought since 2019. Moderate drought remains in parts of Brewster, Presidio, Culberson, and Hudspeth counties in far west Texas. There are a few areas impacted by abnormally dry conditions that are not quite in drought yet. There's a spot in the northwest corner of the Panhandle in far west Texas in the Big Bend area, in the Winter Garden area, and in south Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Roundup will no longer be available to consumers thanks to the flood of lawsuits brought against Bayer Crop Sciences. Pulling it from the Walmarts and just taking that ability away. Especially as we look at all these trials, you know, and lawsuits, so many are from urban users. That's Dave Tierney with Bayer, the company that makes glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup. But Tierney told a group of Texas farmers earlier this summer that they don't have to worry. Glyphosate will still be available to farmers. You guys are still going to have Roundup, though. Okay, I want to be clear here. You're still going to have Roundup, the farm gate, but not so sure about our urban friends. Roundup will no longer be on store shelves starting in 2023. Fall army worms are on the march across Texas, and they've made their way up to the panhandle. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says the fall armyworm is on the move in area fields, with especially heavy infestations being reported in the southern panhandle. And Dr. Bell says this pest needs to be taken seriously. When we talk about fall armyworm pressure, oftentimes we don't think about it reaching an economic threshold in our sorghum or even in our corn crop. But under very heavy pressure, and depending on the growth stage, that fall armyworm can actually start to feed on the tassel. And of course, the tassel is where our pollen grains are. And if the armyworm starts to feed on the tassel, cuts through the tassel, that tassel then becomes less effective. There's less pollen or it can even become, quote, killed. So, you know, that can cause significant yield losses in a corn crop. So it is important to really be paying attention to the fall armyworm pressure. In our sorghum field, we do often see fall armyworm feeding earlier in the season, and it becomes visually very concerning because it looks like scattered BB damage across the field. You'll see lots of holes and leaves because the fall armyworms will feed through the whorl and cut the leaf. As long as that developing head has not come up to that point in the plant, we are usually okay. But once that head starts to push up higher, again, we don't want that fall armyworm feeding through that because at that point we can cause some significant developmental issues and yield losses. So farmers be scouting and be prepared to act accordingly. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The dog days of summer are here and the heat is on all across Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. August is a critical month for production agriculture in Texas with the extreme temperatures and lack of water. Horticulture's John Begno joins us from San Angelo to talk more about this subject. And uh, John, let's visit quickly on uh, what crops, uh, let's say pecans, for instance, uh, why it's important that uh, people need to uh, be aware of this during this time of the year. You know, Tom, it is that situation where August, the dog days, the heat, the dry spells in some areas make it a challenge. But when you talk about production agriculture, and let's just talk about pecans, for instance, August is one of the most critical months for making sure that the crop that you have set is going to be high enough quality to harvest and bring top price. So you're looking at needing water and fertilizer and never letting it lack our water. In other words, irrigation is often as weekly, sometimes two inches a week in areas of West Texas are essential to making sure 
that pecans make it through August so that they can continue to ripen and harvest in October and November. And certainly looking forward to the cooler months of the year, September and October are uh, critical when it comes to uh, planting overall. Yes, some plants actually take a break in August. When it becomes too hot, it's hard for them to breathe. Respiration rates have to be adjusted, and they cannot if temperature is extremely hot. So that's a condition we're presently looking at. But in September, October, we start with blue bonnet scattering of the seeds, and it's some of the best times. So we consider August a preparation month for the ideal planting season to come later on in just a month or two away. That is horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal bin farmers are finally able to make significant progress with the grain sorghum harvest. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, after weeks of weather delays, grain sorghum harvest got onto the fast track this past week. It's estimated that 70 to 75 percent of the sorghum crop has now been harvested and in elevator storage. That's good news for the area's sorghum crop, and much of that progress can be obtained attributed to a number of farmers making investments in rubber track kits for their combines. These kits are commonly used by rice farmers to allow the combine to harvest in wet and very soft field conditions. Now, there still be a while before our harvest is completed in grain sorghum because we have at least 10 to 15,000 acres of replanted sorghum this year that still needs a few more weeks of time to mature. Those fields were planted in late April. They won't be harvested until early to mid-August. Of course, our sorghum producers are happy that the extent of the weather damage was not quite as severe as earlier anticipated and many sorghum farmers are reporting yields between 35 to 4,500 pounds per acre and losses ranging between four to 700 pounds to the acre as a result of the excessive weathering in the sorghum crop. Now, cotton is maturing rapidly and many fields are showing 40 to 50 percent open bowls at this time. There's been reports of a few applications of harvest aid defoliant treatments and there's been at least one cotton field that has been harvested here in the coastal bend area. Livestock producers continue to enjoy lush pasture conditions and cattle are certainly in above average condition for summer. Hay producers are also happy to have harvest underway for their crops and most of the hay fields are producing above average yields and that hay harvest will continue during the late summer and early fall here in the coastal bend area. This has been Harvey Buring. If you know somebody who's had an impact on freshwater fishing in Texas, now's the time to nominate them for recognition. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag today. And performance horses need more energy than forage alone can provide. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. 
Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Performance horses need more energy than forage alone can provide, but selecting the right feed concentrate can be difficult. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. There are many choices of concentrates to feed your performance horse, and even though forage may not satisfy the energy requirements, we still cannot forget the importance of forage. Dr. Stephen Duran from Idaho indicates that high-quality forage can be a rich source of required nutrients for your horse, and the better the forage, the less concentrates that will be required. Feeding increased volumes of grain can lead to digestive upset, so high-quality forage is important. If regular forced exercise is being conducted, the horse should be fed a diet designed for performance horses. Feeds designed for growth, pregnancy, maintenance, or seniors are not a good choice for performance horses. Senior feeds are designed for horses with poor dentition and will require a large amount to be fed to get enough calories for the performance horse. As far as concentrates, the feed tags do not tell you everything you need to know about the feed as energy is not listed. However, most performance horses need 11 to 13% crude protein and a minimum fat level of 6%. In most cases, the fiber should be less than 15%, and the calcium-phosphorus ratio should be 2 parts calcium to 1 part phosphorus. Comparison of feed tags is nearly impossible because it is not required to designate the quality of the ingredients used in the feed. The amount of exercise will determine the amount of feed concentrates required from 1 pound per day for infrequent exercise up to 15 pounds per day for a horse in very heavy work like a racehorse or a three-day event horse. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you know someone who has had an impact on freshwater fishing here in Texas, now is the time to nominate them for recognition. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. If you know a person or organization who has made a significant contribution to freshwater fishing in Texas, you may consider nominating them for recognition by the Texas Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame Committee is now accepting nominations for people or groups to be recognized in the spring of 2022. Dan Kessler, TFF Hall of Fame Committee Chair, said whether it's an outdoor rider, a pro angler, fishing club, or a leader of industry, the committee looks forward to continuing to honor and recognize everyone that helps make Texas fishing the best that it can be. Inductees to the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame will be chosen based on the following criteria. Ethics, leadership and commitment, unselfish contributions to the sport, scope of impact on freshwater fishing, and fishing or fisheries management expertise and impact. Nominees may be living or deceased. The deadline to nominate someone is Monday, November 1st. A nomination form is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. 
That's tpwd.texas.gov. tpwd.texas.gov. On that page, search Fishing Hall of Fame. Again, that website is tpwd.texas.gov. The 2021 Hall of Fame inductee was Shane Wilson. He's a retired public educator and founder of the nonprofit organization Fishing's Future. There is no 2021 inductee due to the coronavirus pandemic and the uncertainty last year. Again, the deadline to nominate somebody for recognition in 2022 is November 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. So how did the markets look on Thursday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closed at lower Thursday due to a rally in the grain markets. October live cattle down $1.40 to $127.57. December live cattle down $1.17 to $132.77. September feeder cattle down $1.72 to $161.15. October feeder cattle down $1.60 to $163.85. Box beef was higher on Thursday, choice up $2.68 to $292.02. Select was up $1.73 to $272.88. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy, it's time to head to producers in Cargill, San Angelo. Talk sheep and goats with Benny Cox. Benny, how was the sheep and goat sale this week? We had 48.71, which uh, maybe added a little strength to the market compared to uh, last week. We didn't have a lot of these wolf feeder last week. We had some really good top end with some people from New Mexico sent a, a big group of those things. They sold from firm to $5 higher compared with the week before. The better lightweight to medium flesh, these hair sheep type that are going straight to slaughter were 15 to $25 higher. Well, these heavier weights near steady slaughter use they sold near steady while the better quality kids were 10 to 15 dollars higher with most increase on these uh, better end of these boar crosses of course they are, as we've always said they bring you know they'll bring the top of the market the wolf feeder lambs they sold in a range from 255 all the way up to 280 on the, the light end of these slaughter lambs from 260 to 340 with a heavy weight from $2 to 275 On the slaughter ewes, they sold from 80 to 130 but mostly 90 to 115 Kid goats sold in range from 230 to 350 but mostly 285 to 320 What do we anticipate for the cattle sale this week? Oh, it's sure awful nice. I'm guessing a lot of people get out there and go to work. Surely, we're sure likely to have over 1,000 again this week. Uh, 
I know Charlie went out there and got another couple of loads. So we continue to sell our calves that were, you know, fall born. Right. And this market's been awful good. I, yeah. We've been really pleased. Of course, we've had some bigger, higher quality groups uh, that have had their shots and all that good stuff. So good. this 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 market's uh, it's moving in the right direction. That's good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office is the same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I've been with Benny Cox from Producers and Cargyle San Angelo. We appreciate you listening. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thank you, Larry. We saw triple-digit losses in the lean hogs market Thursday, perhaps due to concerns of additional pressure in pork cutout value, and that, they say, could possibly lead to an increase in selling volume. October lean hogs limit down $3 Thursday to $87.12. Block cheese was unchanged for the seventh day in a row Thursday at $1.63 with no loads traded. Barrel cheese was down three quarters of a cent to $1.30, and dryway was up about six cents. That pushed class three milk prices higher. September class three milk up 37 cents to $16.41 a hundredweight. Cotton prices rose Thursday despite a so-so export report that rise likely due to an expected increase in global demand for cotton. October cotton up 45 points to 91.17. December cotton up 37 points to 90.68. Also weighing in on cotton prices Thursday was a forecast for warmer, drier weather over the next week or so in Texas that will help promote crop development. After two days of decline, corn prices rose on Thursday, likely due to a smaller-than-expected export forecast for Brazilian corn. September corn up 10 to 5.55 and three quarters. December corn up six and a quarter to 5.53. Spring wheat traded mixed for much of the day Thursday, while winter wheat was trading lower. September hard red wheat down two and three quarters to 6.91 and a half. December hard red wheat down two and a half to 7.03. July hard red wheat was up five to 6.17 and a half. September crude oil was up 91 cents to 69.06. October crude oil was up 93 cents to 68.72 a barrel. Now let's check out our financial markets, see how things fared for us on Thursday. The Dow was up 205 points to 34,997. The S&P 500 up 18 to 4,420. The Nasdaq was up 94 points to 14,874. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.